welcome to another episode of Stanford Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. Episode number 95, as a matter of fact. At least I think it's number 95. Y'all, we are getting close to that nice round number of 100. Uh, for the for the five of you that are listening, thank you. And to the three or four that caught this episode by accident, I appreciate no, no, I, I, I kid. I am extremely appreciative to all the subscribers. I know that we've we've continued to grow over these past few seasons and we're we're continuing to make our way and that's exciting. Uh, if you are new new to this podcast, do uh, myself a favor and well yourself a favor as well by by subscribing. This the show is available anywhere and of course you can always check it out on my website stampercinema.com. And today I'm really excited because we we have Renee Scheiger, who is the uh, was the wife of a Freddie Moore or or Rick Moore to those that that knew him. Now, if you are not familiar with Freddie Moore, he was the musician singer of the Cats or the New Cats, uh, a uh, independent uh, group out of L.A. in the late '70s, early '80s. And Freddie Moore was a was a frontman. In fact, a really fun little nugget is he was the first husband of actress Demi Moore, and they co-wrote the song "It's Not a Rumor," which is also the name of Freddie's memoir, which Renee and I will uh, discuss. And it's a beautiful story. If you can get your hands on it, the 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 link will be available in the in the show notes. But Renee and I are going to talk a lot about about this memoir and obviously talk a lot about uh, Freddie. You will notice that she refers to him and I often will refer to him as Rick. Again, that was the name that uh, that he went by when he wasn't on stage. And I'm I'm really excited about sharing this story. Uh, Freddie appeared to be just an absolutely remarkable, a remarkable uh, musician and artist who also appeared in a little movie called Parasite, not to be mistaken with the the Oscar-winning film of a couple of years ago named Parasite, but an 80s film called Parasite, which uh, Renee and I will briefly uh, cover here in just a, a few moments. But this this is fun. Uh, you're you're going to enjoy this episode, and it's it's very bittersweet because unfortunately Freddie passed away last year due to Alzheimer's, and we're, we're going to talk about how this memoir came to be. Um, kind of like on the on the footsteps of receiving his diagnosis, and Renee is very candid, and 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 for that, I, I I'm incredibly appreciative of, and I'm just gonna stop yapping away. It please enjoy this episode. This is just it, you're you're gonna laugh, and it's gonna pull on those heartstrings. But I'm 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 really proud of this one, and major shout out to Renee for coming on the show and and sharing her story and sharing Freddie's story with all of us. So without further ado, Renee Scheiger. Again, Renee, thank you. Thank you so much for for uh, reaching out and hopping on the podcast. What an absolute pleasure it is uh, to meet you. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Uh, you know, I guess it was just a few months, a few months ago that we had exchanged correspondence and you passed on, it's not a rumor, uh, the the Freddie Moore uh, memoir. And thank you very much. What a just wonderful read. And I was telling you before we began, it, it's oftentimes very, very funny and 
Um, it, it, it really does paint a picture of late 70s, early 80s LA and 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 obviously uh, basically due to the subject matter often you know a, a a sad story as well but i just want to sincerely thank you for for uh, for passing that on let me um become a part of this by by being able to speak to you today thank you thank you for even enjoying it and liking it i i i mean it's a kind of a vanity project but i really love this book just because it's true to freddie's um wanting of what he wanted to have his story is it's a hundred percent right from him now if you wouldn't mind for the listeners and you know admittedly i'm i'm really relatively new to freddie moore's uh, catalog as well but if you wouldn't mind for those that haven't read the book what what can you tell us about uh freddie moore the 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 musician frontman if you will well, he was an amazing front man. I mean, it's so funny because in real life, he was super shy and quiet. They call it Minnesota shy because he's a Midwest guy. But I used to describe him like Clark Kent in real life and then Superman on stage because when he became Freddie Moore on stage, he was Freddie the cat. He would jump off the stage. He would climb up on the rafters. He was like going 100%. I mean, it's called power pop, his genre of, of music. And he was amazing. I mean, he's had so many reviews and so many people have talked about how he was the best performer. And he played guitar, he sang, he played saxophone, he did all these different things. And his most um, creative aspect, I think, was he wrote these beautiful songs. He wrote super fun songs, upbeat, and then also beautiful love, you know, love songs and ballads. But they were all in, all telling a story. So our idea for the whole thing was we're going to write a book and each song is going to be the name of a chapter because all the songs were autobiographical for him. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one thing that I, that I did enjoy is, and then you get like the song lyrics and it just, again, just to be, uh, get familiarized with, with, with his work. It, it, I really love the, and by the way, I mean, I know it's like 300 and some odd pages. That is a very quick read too. I mean, once you start getting into it, it's, it's a delightful, delightful thank memoir. You. Thank yeah, you. No, thank so you so much. Yeah. This isn't designed to be just nothing but praise, but it's, you know, it's one of those stories and, you know, um, unfortunately, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, these are things that that affect so many of us. And, you know, not everybody is fortunate to to have one of these beautiful stories told, you know, over this. So I'm just kind of curious, how did this 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 whole idea and what was the overall like inception of it's not a rumor? How did this come to be? OK, so um Freddie started losing, you know, his memory a little bit, just tiny little bits of things. And I think he started realizing that maybe this was happening in a way. So he started posting all his stories on Facebook because he would talk to all his friends and all his fans or whatever who would follow him. And, and he would just start telling these stories. And everybody was saying, wow, this is these are great stories. You know, all this crazy stuff with the band and with you and your life and all this. I mean, he's almost like Forrest Gump. He runs into people, <laughs> he gets into these situations, but then nothing ever happened. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, um, totally. So he was writing all these stories. And one of the guys 
that was a fan of his also had, um, he does this stuff called music. Uh, he writes music song book and he works for, or he owns Alfred music publishing. And so he invited us to the NAM show. The NAM show is like this consumer electronics show for musicians. So we went and we talked to him and he's like, we've got to get this book going. I mean, I'm telling you, this is great. But then he realized it was way too much of an undertaking to do it because he would have to, you know, have somebody sit with Rick, Freddie, and go over all the stories and interview him. So I decided um, I'm going to hire somebody to help write the book because I'm not a writer. And so I contacted the L.A. Writers Group. We interviewed a bunch of writers. He found Shannon Guyton. He totally clicked with her. And she just started Pulling the stories out of him. What was so amazing is I think it actually helped him in the way of the dementia, Alzheimer's aspect, because he was having to remember all this stuff. And he, you know, some days he would be off and he couldn't remember. The other days he would be on fire and he would totally be able to remember. And he was just so happy to have the book being preserving his stories and his memory. So that's how the whole book came to be. And then also a fan of his owns a book publishing place called Rare Bird Books in LA, downtown LA. And he remembers Freddie. He remembers the band. He used to go see the band and he was like, I want to publish this book. So once we finished, he was the one who wanted to publish it. That's great. What I also enjoy, and obviously this is, this is, you know, a Freddie or, or, or Rick story, but there, the the wonderful prologue that that you know that talks about you as well. And what I'm curious, also, you know, and people can definitely you know uh, get their hands on this and read this. But if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit of how you came to be in in, in Rick's life. Well, um, I was friends. I became friends with Rick. My sister, my older sister, introduced me to her friend Dimmy, and. Um, <laughs> What, was I'm it sorry, Demi Demi. I was going to say, th this is actually something that I had on, so we'll get to it, okay. but I want to discuss the Demi versus Demi. Uh, okay, <laughs> she was Demi back in yeah. the day, and um, she discovered this really cool band, and then she fell in love with the guy. My sister and her, you, they went to high school together, and she said, you got to come see this band to my sister. And so they would go, and then my sister would rave about it. I'm like, I want to come. I want to come. I was only 13. So they had to sneak me in, but I started going to see the band. And then we, me and my sister started hanging out with Dimmy and Rick all the time. I mean, we would just hang out at their apartment and Rick and I just had this, I don't know, connection, kinship. I don't know what it was. And I was really young and everything, but he taught me how to play guitar. We would sit there and talk for hours. You know, it was just like a really great thing. And then when Demi became Demi and she became all famous and everything, she just dumped his ass. And then I was like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know. And he was all devastated and sad. I even talk like a Minnesotan now. Did you hear me? I said all. Anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> he said to me after like a year of being, you know, single, we were still just friends. He said <laughs> he started dating some girl exactly like Demi. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know who to date. And I said, well, you can date me. And he's like, okay. So <laughs> it was like, we were best friends anyway. So it became amazing. So yeah. we just, it was just a love story from there. 
Yeah. And you were raised obviously in a very like Jewish like household. And that was something that I, that I got uh, enormous uh, pleasure just reading that uh, exchanges that you would have with your mother and, you know, the fact that he was, you know, like a goyim and everything, just the, <laughs> just, uh, just, just fun. Again, this, it, it's a fun ride, a fun read that it really, you feel like you're part of this, this journey. You really feel like you're in the, like the backseat, if you'll just, just going along for it. So that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be like a conversation or like somebody sitting and just listening to the stories. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Cause he's read a million music biographies and he loved um, Neil Young's bi- biography, Waging Heavy Peace. Oh. And it was just like a conversation. He didn't want it to be like, I was born, I lived, I died, whatever. You know, he didn't want it to follow that. He wanted it to jump around in time. And that's what we did. Now, obviously this, you know, from the discussions, I mean, and and the name of this podcast kind of explains that this is a, a film related podcast. So I like to discuss films and, you know, so I, I'd like to have a, a little bit of a conversation with you, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that he has a, a wonderful acting credit uh, to his disposal <laughs> from a little movie called Parasite, not yes. to be mistaken, with right. the parasite that won like best picture at the Oscars right, right. a couple of years ago. Right. No, but this a was little, a, like, like a, what, what would you call it? A, like a B minus? Yeah, B minus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm very, very fortunate where I live in Atlanta that we, we have a, not just existing, but like a thriving video store, like, like a real video store in the way like Blockbuster existed. Uh, but nice. And, the the owner I was telling about that he's like oh my god I know that movie he didn't have it but he's like I know the guy that actually can get his hands on like so I guess the company that like makes the the DVDs or when he's like I know the guy he can he could get my hands on that and he's like do you want the 3D version or the oh whatever I'm like, I'm like I'll just take the whatever <laughs> it is. it's it, it's like a it's like a 1982 very very early 3D uh, B minus horror film, and right. he he's in the movie for a short while, right? And it's kind of a blip in the in the memoir, but I do love the where he's talking about it as just kind of shitty work, if you will. <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, with uh, with with Demi Moore, and like this was like her second, I guess her second film, and this was right. early early Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, did you guys ever talk about that experience? Like what it yes. was like. He hated it because he was just waiting around all the time, just sitting around, waiting around for them to call him to do a scene for one second or whatever, one minute, <laughs> two minutes, and then go. And then I remember the parasite thing was the, like this gelatinous mm-hmm. um, thing. And he was like, I hated having that on me, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, he was super high uh, uptight about that kind of thing. But he just was bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now obviously, you know, extremely talented and spent a lot of time like writing music and and then um you know, got into the what what do we call it? like I guess computer coding uh yeah. if you will, but I I am kind of curious, you know, what did when it was you two, uh what what did y'all like to did you guys watch movies? What are some things we that We went to the movies all the time. This is before COVID and all the crazy and all that stuff. But we used to go to every movie, every movie. I mm-hmm. mean, the minute it would come out, we would be at the theater. 
Rick loved movies. Freddie loved to go to the movies. We watched a ton of movies. He watched old movies. He watched, he loved to be an aficionado of whatever it was he was into at that time. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember him loving Alec Guinness in all of the, the Lavender Hill mob and uh, all those ones. What's the studio? I forgot what it's called. But in England, he loved watching all of those, um, la- you know, Arsenic and Old Lace, right, all of those yeah. ones like that. And um, we watched so many things. We watched, he made me watch a Black Orpheus a million times with all the magic realism. I mean, we just watched all different kinds of stuff. It was like... It was part of his education to just learn as much about everything as possible. That's one thing that I remember reading and hearing you discuss is the man was an absolute sponge, right? You you, you talk about his, uh, I don't want to say love, but just his ability to, like maps, for example, something that yes. he had spoken about. Loved maps. Yeah, just uh, just the, the the enormous brain on the man. Yes, that, yes. Um, was a big presence on stage and then you said it was more of an introvert like off stage mm-hmm. definitely and i used to say i mean i know i thought he was a genius i don't know i mean he was tested i think he had a very very high iq but he knew i mean his father used to drop him and his brother off in san francisco and say i have to go do this thing you guys just figure out what you want to look at meet me back here at five o'clock he would go and see every little part. He didn't even need a map. He would figure it out like where he was. He used to tell me the way he looked, the way he saw like the city and the, and the terrain was almost like he was looking at it from above and he would look down and he would kind of be able to map out everything in his brain. He had like a really developed hippocampus. So no matter where he was, he knew every city. I mean, even when we went to Mexico, he was like finding how to go. I was like, how do you know? And he's like, I just have this inner clock or whatever, compass. Compass, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. He was so amazing in just so many ways. I mean, I know I'm just bragging, but he really was just an amazing person. And he never did any drugs. He never drank alcohol. And he even, you know, part of the reason that I really liked him when I first met him was I would say to him, how, you know, everybody, all my friends are pressuring me to smoke pot or drink or whatever. And he's like, um, I'm high on life. I don't, I don't need any of that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know I realized it too. I learned from him to be interested in things because when you're interested, you're interesting. There's so many different questions I have. And obviously this is a very, very sel- uh, delicate subject matter. And thank you again for just discussing this but obviously in light of you know 2022 you know it's been it's obviously probably been an an incredibly challenging year uh for you and your family how how are you doing how how is how is how are you you know i'm okay but um it's really awful what happened to him because he he had such a beautiful brain and then to have lost it is just i mean what what Alzheimer's does to you at the end is you don't even have any dignity or humanity anymore. And it's just devastating. Um, And in a a way I'm happy that he's not suffering anymore, but in another way, I miss him like crazy. I mean, I was just the other night I had a dream about him and I woke up looking for him on the, on that side of the bed. And I was like, 
is he here? Is he here? No, he's not here. So, you know, it's, it's really hard. It is really hard. And he did suffer with it for a very long time. I mean, he knew it was happening. I mean, as we were writing the book, I was helping and I would, we would read pages every night. We would go over it. We would cry. We would laugh. We would, you know, he would just be like, why is this happening to me before he knew, you know, before he didn't know how to say anything, you know, Mm -hmm. anymore. And, um, it's so hard. It's so hard with that because his fans and people who love him and everything or did for a while, they were like, Oh, can we see him? No, you can't see him. And that's part of what the whole reason for the book called it's not a rumor. Yes. It's a name of one of his songs, but it was also that I was kind of hiding the fact that he had Alzheimer's because I didn't want them to see the right. shell of what he became. I wanted them to remember him as Freddie Moore, that really hot rocker and, you know, crazy man and everything and, and amazing brain. Yeah. And I didn't want them to know, you know, people wanted to come. They wanted to see him. They wanted to visit. I, I didn't let them because I didn't want them to see you know, how much he had lost of himself, you know? No, it's, um, it's devastating. My, uh, my, my mother, uh, you know, she, she lost her, her husband, I guess we'll say my stepfather, but it's weird Mm -hmm. to say that as an adult, but lost my, my stepfather due to, uh, to mention Alzheimer's and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tragic. And it's, it's weird when you, you know, um, in the case of my stepfather, just a man with just an enormous heart and just would dote on my mother, like, you know, day, you know, like day and night and just was just a very, very sweet man. And just obviously he, he dealt with it for, you know, for several years before, you know, he had passed, but you know, it's, it's rough and it's what, what you're doing. and, And this memoir is great. And being able to share these amazing stories of, of, of Freddie and Rick, uh, it's, it, it truly is remarkable. And what I want to know is what would what would he want um, for us to know about him that maybe isn't in the book? Or do you feel like everything is in there? What do, what do you think if he's like, shoot, you know, if there's one other thing I wish people would know about me, it'd be this. Um, just that he was he was really deep and really interested in. Um, sharing his songwriting with other people. I think he, I think the songs, you know, are in the book, but they're not truly who he was for those songs. I mean, he poured everything into those songs. This is why he never got a record deal. I mean, I told you saw in the book, he played with the police. He played the motels. He played with Oingo Boingo, all these people. They all thought, Oh my God, you guys are going to get that deal. No, for sure. But when it came down to the whole uh, legal aspect of everything, and they wanted 90% of all the rights, the copywriting, the publishing, the this and that, that he would never sign off. He would never, because those songs were like his babies. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't he wasn't going to let that go. He created his own music publishing website called Demophonic.com. And all his songs are there. They're all listed in alphabetical order if you want. And we can change it up. But... Um, you know, all of his songs are there. And that's, that's really what I think he, he was so driven with his music and so passionate about it. I mean, 
those songs were everything to him. He even wrote a rock opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And he took it, he, he looked at it as a, it's almost like, you know how the right brain are, are really uh, creative people, right? Mm-hmm. But left brain are super analytical. He had both, which is crazy because he loved the music theory of music in addition to the all the, the creative aspect. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. So absolutely. strange. Yeah. Um, so this this memoir was published, I guess it was la- 2021, correct? Yes. And obviously you've you've been doing your part by getting this out and sharing this with the world. What what what's next? I mean, you know, like uh what do we do we have any any aspirations for I don't know, trying to make a uh, it's not a rumor film or what do, what are you thinking? I would love for this book to be made into a movie because there are so many great aspects to it. And there's a lot of good stuff. It's not all just sad, but um, there's amazing stories, funny, exciting. Um, You know, I think it would be a great movie. Plus, you know, there's so many different characters. L.A. is a character. Me, Rick, uh, Freddie, you know, all his different incarnations, all those different crazy guys he dealt with and and everything. And I just think it would be a, a really cool movie, kind of like, Maybe like almost famous mm-hmm. or um, Ooh, I like that. I like that. Something like that, you know, because yeah. it and I've often thought about who would I love to play everybody. Oh, yeah. Should I tell you? Yeah, no, I, I, I need to know. <laughs> OK, well, I thought Jared Leto would be a great person to play Freddie because he's got blue eyes. He's a band. He's in a band. He plays music. Mm-hmm. He dyes hair blonde and put on the big glasses. And then he could totally do it. He's tall and skinny and whatever. So I think he could do that. Mm-hmm. Then I thought for me, it would be Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Because she does have a little bit of Jewish in her and <laughs> she's really cute. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's about it for what I thought about. But I thought that would be super cool if it would be made into a movie. No, I tried sure. to reach out. I tried to reach out to a couple of people, but they, they are just like, unless you know someone, forget it. So yeah, making it's, 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 it's tricky, but I, I think there's definitely a way to, if nothing else, uh, create some type of, some type of treatment for this. And I mean, where, now whereabouts are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah, you're like, you are there, you know, like right. you're, you're in LA. Right. Just, uh, get a get you know, just need a, it's not a rumor like treatment, you know, just figure out how you would, how you would tell this story. Even if you were to, I don't want to say like, um, I mean, I, part of me is now like going into the almost famous. And now I'm looking at other like movies that are about bands and I don't know, there, there's something kind of uh, fantastical about, about the story. Not that it necessarily needs to be like, uh, like fictitious, but there are just so many different ways that this that this story can go and, and tell this really fun, fun story of uh, of Freddie Moore. And I'm kind of curious about like the this. Did I like read that correctly? That there was like cat food like on stage. What what was what what is that all about? They had all kinds of gimmicks. Okay, so he was Freddie the cat, and they were the cats. That's the band. And so they would throw cat food. The fans would throw cat food on the stage. They would throw um, little mice, you know, like with the, you know, those that a cat would, you know, oh, play yeah. with catnip in it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many songs about cat. 
you know, being a cool cat, a new cat. Um, you know, one of the one of the songs that I could even play you, you know, whenever. But um, one of the the cat's theme song goes meow 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 meow. I'm a cat, got a prowl. I'm a cat, got a prowl. Some cats are free to roam. Other cats just stay at home. Some cats blow that saxophone. Other cats are all alone. I st- alley cats may act like thugs, but I stay home and spray my rugs. So <laughs> everything has that spray my rugs means they pee on the carpet. Mm-hmm. But it all has this witty, you know, uh, double entendre kind of thing. All the songs have that kind of thing. I mean, one of the songs he wrote is I'm the life of the party because I'm the only one at the party. so yeah i mean i just think it would be really fun if there could be a movie of it or something i don't know totally totally and obviously you just sang uh sang some music and you said that he taught you to play uh the guitar do you do you play today yes you do yes i do but just for myself i mean i would Mm -hmm. just play i play his songs that's all i know that's wonderful. You know, I mean, I know the Beatles stuff too, but because that's where he taught me first. That's what I read. But, yeah. Was it Norwegian Wood was the first one or? Yes, we played a talent show for that. Um, and um, but then also um, I play all his songs on my guitar too. Yeah. What do you play? What type of guitar? Oh, I play a Taylor acoustic and it's a Taylor mini acoustic. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of small because it's good for my hand, which is smaller, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's one. Now, obviously, I mean, again, there, there are a lot of questions that I would love to ask you, but I know that, you know, uh, very, I'm not going to say prolific, but we're talking like hundreds of songs that, that, that he had written. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm not saying what's your favorite, but what are some, like, if people are going to go and, uh, discover his music, what, Give me five songs that we should that we that we need to know that are like that that's a must play. Okay. My favorite song is called Street Life. Um, and it's there actually you can find his music on Spotify if you search for um the new cats or you search for um live at Davlin, because that's one of the, the little albums. And um you can also find, I think it's on Apple Music too, but mostly Spotify. So you have to hear. Street Life, which is a really good song. Then you should hear California, Here I Come, because he wrote it when he was coming from Minnesota to California. And it is so good. It is just amazing, that song. There's another song called Lost My TV Guide. And, you know, I love Lost My TV Guide because nobody even knows what a TV guide is anymore. (laughs) But he wrote this whole, I mean, Lost My TV Guide was one of his his most popular songs Mm. because he would know just why Clark Gable's trying to hitch a ride. I mean, and if you know the movie that um, once one night, it happened one night or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay. Then you know why Clark Gable's trying to hitch and Claudette Colbert pulls up her skirt, but they taught, he talks about that in lost my TV guy. So, okay. What else? Um, Ooh, King of the wild frontier. That's a great song. I think you would really love it. Um, I can send it to you if you want to. Um, and you can listen to a lot of his songs on demophonic.com for free. Perfect. Wonderful. Um, or, you know, or try to find them on Spotify or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what else? Um, God, there's so many. You are Obviously, the one it's not a rumor. Really I mean, which I, that one I, I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really kick-ass song. 
Yeah. I mean, I really like it. I can play it for you if you want. Not on my guitar, on the phone. And I saw the music video and like Demi Moore's in the video as well. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. And thank you for sharing the memoir. It's been, uh, again, it, it's for, for those listening, it's, it'll make you laugh and, you know, it'll obviously break your heart at the same time. And it's, it's such a great read. So I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really, this was wonderful. And if anybody wants to buy the book, it's, it's not a rumor. And it, rumor is spelled R-U-M-O-U-R because he had to be fancy the British way. I wanted to know about that because if it was in, if it was in there, I missed if he, why he, why like the spelling on that. I couldn't, I couldn't find, or if it did, I just, I he glossed over it. just being poetic and literary and whatever. <laughs> so, you know, let's do it the British way, R-U-M-O-U-R. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, really hard for people to find, but um <laughs> yeah, um, there's t-shirts, there's, I have all kinds of stuff on Etsy. Um, and then we have stuff posted every day on Instagram and on um, Facebook and stuff for people who sign up for It's Not a Rumor, um, just to be a part of it in, in some way. Yeah. And how do people you can find buy you? the book on Amazon or you can buy it at Rare Bird Books. Yep. And how could, how can people find you? Uh, we're on Instagram. It's under it's not a rumor dot com. And I, I also have a blog that I haven't been writing on lately, but um, I used to write a blog on, and it's on it's not a rumor as well. Just, tra- you know, telling the whole journey, my whole journey with going through this disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Renee, it's been beyond a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really loved it. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode in the books. Again, episode number 95. We'll have number 96 coming at you really, really soon. Be on the lookout for that. But again, thank you so much to Renee for for sharing that story. Listeners, Please check out the the show notes as I'm going to provide the links to It's Not a Rumor, as well as um, some links for for Freddie's music that that Ray had, Renee had referenced. And yeah, please like, listen, subscribe, rate, review, review shit. Definitely re- leave a review. If you've got Apple, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, hit me up with a with a five star. And jot something down, please. Uh, I want to thank everybody that has already done so. Or maybe you don't have Apple Podcasts. You can still go to my website and leave a review. That website, again, stampercinema.com. It's really simple. You just click the little icon that says reviews and you leave one. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Again, we're hitting up 100, 100 episodes, people. I know you're out there and you're listening and I I'm forever in debt to everybody that's helped this, uh, this, the show move along. And let me, let me know that you're listening by leaving a little review. So that's all I've got. I'm going to wrap this one up and you will see us again real soon for episode number 96. Thank you again for listening to Stanford cinema.